Good morning and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly Sarlow. And I'm Mum. I'm Karen. Good morning. Okay, um, I've decided. Uh, <laughs> I've made an executive decision. <laughs> uh, to pick the show today. Okay. Um, and, you know, I think we're going to probably end up doing quite a few shows on this topic. So, um, because I think there's different things to learn or to be said about it each time. And different experiences and different um, client stories mm -hmm. um, that can come through each time too. Um, so, one of the big thing that was coming to me is about being an empath, and because we get asked about this so much, and it's such a big part of our lives, and very much something that um, other people don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I I actually have a couple of notes this time. Um, You're so cute. You know, because I don't ever write notes, so this is really unique. Okay. Um, but just different things, I guess, that the spirit world really wanted to come through today. So for that reason, when you went in to um, buy some treats for Parker and do some things, um, I jotted things down today. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, and Kelly, as you know, something just happened to you Friday and Saturday in regards to seeing a client that switched for you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm bringing this show back up again. Okay. Um, and the, the thank you. I'm saying thank you again. Oh, you're welcome. Cause I, I meant to thank you for taking notes, uh, to, just to listen to the other side mm -hmm. for the both of us. Mm -hmm. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I know, you know, it's been a couple hard days. Mm hmm. And this, <clears throat> excuse me this morning, when you were in the build, a building and I was sitting in the car with Parker, um, it's it's just, it's not lost on me how difficult it is for you to process this one. Mm -hmm. And um, th this this particular feeling. So let's, before we get to that, let's do some other ones um, that you've had in the past, that I've had in the past, just bringing up some of those stories as we go along of being an empath. Okay, so <clears throat> when I say using all of your senses... To be an empath, some people think that being empathic then means that you feel something for someone else. And so this is, first of all, let's go with that. Let's just start explaining and start giving examples of some of our stories of being an empath. So if you want to go back and forth, whether it's yours or mine, okay. it doesn't it doesn't matter. Well, I think uh, a good first example was probably um, anxiety. Right? Oh, that is a good one. Because uh, most of the people who come to see us have have high anxiety. Uh, not because of their day-to-day -day experience necessarily, but just their anticipation of what's going to happen uh, and what they don't know to expect. Um, so oftentimes, if we have first-time clients coming in, we'll have elevated anxiety that day or even the night before. And that's very difficult to discern if whether, or sorry, whether or not it's ours or our clients. Um, because I think on some level we want to do very well for them as well. And so there is a feeling of, I hope this goes well and I'm anxious, but, um, anxiety is a very, um, different kind of experience in the body because you can get different symptoms, right? So we can shake physically, we can feel nauseous, uh, we can feel dizzy, we can feel, um, I'll even say cravings. Right, because some some people mm -hmm. will eat when they're anxious, or some people will have a loss of appetite when they're anxious. Mm -hmm. um, so that that's one thing that I've certainly felt um, for for clients, and I think it's I'm just listing it because it's one of the things that most people can connect to right away. It brings to mind Kelly when you talk about the anxiety, and I I hope this is still connected. Um, 
how many times I change clothes before clients come Mm -hmm. so that when they show up at the door, I'm wearing the same colors as them. And when I think about the anxiety, you talk with like closing one eye. Oh, sorry. You talk like a pirate. This is hilarious. <laughs> like you're, you're trying to illustrate your point and you're, you're like squinting that right eye. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I was too. Okay. I, you know, that we can... I want you to feel relaxed. I want you to feel calm. Like you can just talk to me. <laughs> oh, I'm just wondering if a client coming in later today just might be a pirate. Uh, okay. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> or have a problem with their right <laughs> eye. Yeah. Uh, which is exactly it. We're That's just, what happens. Yeah, it's ex- yeah, it's exactly. But I think about how often when a client does have ang- whether they have anxiety or not, how many times I end up wearing the same thing, and how funny that can be. And I remember I said to you yesterday, it's even downright embarrassing when it's men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I run upstairs and put jeans and a plaid shirt on, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they come in the door, and I'm wearing this. I'm wearing the same colors or the same print or the. Mm-hmm. <laughs> something is the client okay so yes anxiety okay uh, but I think probably what you're going to jump into and you can correct me if I'm wrong is uh, more of like diseases and illnesses is I'm going to we were I was hoping to do all of, all it, of it okay because <clears throat> I think it illustrates in the different ways that of being empathic mm-hmm. so you're talking about picking up somebody else's anxiety mm-hmm. and I think about the morning I woke up and I wanted to kill myself yeah and that I, I even thought of three different ways that I wanted to kill myself. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't get out of bed. I was just so debilitated. That's neat. And that, that is elaborated actually in a previous podcast for anyone who's yes. perking up and not knowing why we're brushing over this. Yes. Um, and that, that that lady, that client, uh, ended up coming through later that morning, I believe it was. And she called from Australia. Mm-hmm. And... Um, when I spoke to her on the phone, I had to say to her, are you the lady that um, is suicidal? Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, how do you know that? And then I had to say, well, were these the three ways you had thought of? Can I interject? Yeah. Because um, I think this is neat. And I think a lot of people will be confused uh, because we're, we labeled it as empath. Um, but for those of, of you who have listened to the videos that are on YouTube Mm. Um, we also list that we hear people's thoughts mm-hmm. and some people might think, well, that's not empath. That's hearing someone's thoughts that they're suicidal in the ways that they want to kill yes. themselves. And that's one aspect of it. Yes. Uh, but the, the not flip side, but the second part to that is feeling suicidal. So yes. feeling the depression that stimulates the thoughts to take your own life. Yes. Right. So there's, there's a lot <clears throat> uh, going on in the brain. There's a lot going on in the body all at once in order to receive um, the different kinds of information that all play a part together. Yes, and I saw her in her car. I saw, right, remember so her over viewing. a bridge, there was an ocean beside her. Mm-hmm. Somebody might say, well, how did you know it was an ocean? How come you didn't think it was a river or a lake? And that's important too, because water looks like water. And if you can't... Mm, yeah, I get that. I don't know. I'm just saying um, that sometimes water is water um i do understand it can be different you can see the other side and know that it is a river or a lake but sometimes if you're looking at the ocean Mm. um excuse me and it might have different colors at different on different parts of the ocean but sometimes not and so when you're remote viewing you can't see the bigger picture all the time mm-hmm. but that you have a sense or an inner knowing that it's the ocean and you only get that affirmed when you actually ask that person over the telephone if it is 
another one that kind of comes to my mind um, was feeling someone's cataract over my own eye and just in being in a treatment and saying um, you have a problem with your right eye and, or, and, and someone had floaters and I don't know the difference because I've never had either one of them myself as a human being but I could feel them for someone else in my own eye so I feel it I get that information, so I can. It's my my vision is the one that's that's uh, affected temporarily. Right. So you're you're talking about feeling it physically in terms of the the I'll say gunk, like in in the eye that's yeah. built up on top of it, right? Yeah, for it's a cataract. Not quite the same word, but yeah. Okay, but the yeah, like okay. that clogged feeling, and then you see, you yep. see the blurriness. So it's two different mm-hmm. two two different sensations that are happening. Right, and my eye does not have a cataract. So how does my eye behave that way and give the messages to my brain um, temporarily? And then when I ask the client over the phone or whatever way, FaceTime, Skype, whatever, mm-hmm. once they say that they are the one with the cataract, that mine clears up. Unless you have more information to give about it. That's right. In which case it worsens. Yes, until I can give that. Mm -hmm. So the difficulty here is that if I'm in the grocery store and I've got the cataract and someone at the grocery store has that, if I'm not allowed to give the message to that person, I can end up with that feeling for a long time Mm -hmm. until... and, and, And typically they'll keep presenting, the universe will keep bringing them in my way down the, you know, the potato chip aisle, then down the, you know, the produce aisle, and then I'll bump into them in the parking lot on the way out. And then even if that doesn't work, and I I go to the mall afterwards, I'll bump back into them, into the mall. It's just like, it's, (laughs) yeah, I'm given several opportunities Mm -hmm. to, to share that. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to keep going through some of them, because I think that they're just so, they're so interesting. Yeah. To, to explain. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, one of them for me was uh, arthritis. Oh, feeling the joint pain. I hate that one. Yeah, because it typically happens in the knuckles, mm-hmm. uh, which I find really, really difficult. Um, but I've also had it, um, like in the wrists too, mm-hmm. where I think it's a little bit maybe more carpal tunnel at that point. Mm. Um, but that, that's been an interesting one too. And that, that takes a while to dissipate. I feel like some of the ones that we've felt, sorry, I'm all over your footstool. Um, no, go ahead. <laughs> we can share. Play footsies. Um, I feel like some of the things that we end up feeling, uh, some take longer or shorter mm-hmm. to kind of dissipate mm-hmm. in our own body. And I find that really interesting because I'm not really sure yet why. Friday night when we when I went to the mall, I had severe pain in the pad of my right foot. Mm-hmm. And Saturday during a treatment, one of the, there were six on Saturday, but one of them. Oh, and that's something else that's interesting. There's another thing. Out of the six people that came, how do I know which one to ask about the foot pain? Right. But I can forget about the foot pain until all of a sudden in one person session, I hear ask her, ask her about the foot pain. Yeah. And I get the foot pain. And then I have to go, oh, did you, do you get pain in your right foot in the pad right here? And then I drag up my foot and show her where. And she goes, yeah, yeah. Did it flare up last night at 7.15? Because that's when I'm in the mall getting this right. foot pain. Yes, I had a horrific time last night at seven, between 7 and 8 o'clock. And, and sometimes 
they will know they're coming to see us and they will say, and I asked you for help. Yeah. And, but sometimes people don't ask us for help and we still get it anyway, mm-hmm. which I think is important for people to hear that too, mm-hmm. that they don't always have to ask for the help and we still get the stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you want to go to another one? Um, probably. I want to think I made, wanted to make a couple of points, but I'm drawing a blank, so I'll, I'll go to it later. Uh, one of the ones that sticks out in my head was actually one of yours, because mm. I was I was much younger when you had experienced this. You were kind of working with your, I'll call her mentor at the time, and you were doing a session, I think for her, her name's Sharon, mm-hmm. and actually, we're, mm-hmm. yeah, she's a lovely um, woman who helped you through I think opening your gifts. Oh yeah. And uh, who has since passed on. Yeah. And I remember you experiencing an aneurysm. Oh yes. Um, which I was kind of hoping that you would talk about cause I really like listening to you tell this story. Kelly, is this the one with the speech pathologist? Um, no. Okay, because her husband had strokes. I remember, and you've talked about that one. Oh, okay. but this this one had uh, was particularly with this one woman where you felt something coming out of your own head, and you had felt an explosion for the first time. Your eyes are wide, like it's the first time you're hearing this. <laughs> I, I don't remember okay. it. Holy shit! Okay, yeah, I just I okay. It's so funny though, Kelly, because look what I wrote down as number two on the list aneurysm, was aneurysm, but right. I don't remember the story. It was yours. Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, um, wait, let's explain that. So this is the list that I wrote in the car back when you were in the store and I wrote aneurysm. I saw it. Yeah, but yeah. I, I bet I can't remember the story. I didn't know if it was yours or yeah. mine. Okay. Okay, you'll have to tell the story. Well, you've had a couple since then, right? Like I've had ch- several aneurysms. Yeah. Well, not real ones, but uh, clients. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I forget to clarify. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you had <coughs> talked about feeling an explosion in the head and I remember... I was in second year university at that time and uh, ironically was studying the brain um, in a neurobiology class and you had called me kind of, I'll say freaking out a little on the phone Mm -hmm. and just saying that you had felt an explosion in a certain part of your brain and we talked about what kind of aneurysm it was because you hadn't had the affirmation from the actual person yet. And I should probably clarify, Sharon wasn't the client at that time. She was the mentor who was kind of helping you through things. Yeah. And when you had felt the aneurysm, you had called to ask um, what it actually was and what it did in the brain. And Sharon was a psychiatric nurse. Yes. So she kind of, I think we complimented each other in being able to affirm what kind of symptoms you ended up having Mm -hmm. physically. Uh, I think Sharon did a lot of that for you. And then when you and I had talked about the, what, um, what pattern happens in the brain after an aneurysm occurs mm-hmm. um, what you can feel in terms of your thought processes you and I had got to sit down and talk about what that does mm-hmm. uh, and that took a that took a while and I want to say a couple hours in the evening for you to kind of come down off of those uh, mm-hmm. those side effects of an aneurysm even though it wasn't yours I remember um, in those beginning years of doing this being exhausted I remember you sleeping all the time. Yeah. I remember Andrew saying how I would have two and three naps a day mm-hmm. and sleep maybe eight to 10 hours at night. I remember that. Um, that's, that's neat. When you're talking about the aneurysm, one of the things that I can remember is I called them green, green squiggly worms because when I would see the brain or I would just, I don't know how to say this, but when I look up or I look above the person's head, 
but it's not anymore. It's not above their head. It's anywhere. I can look at their chest and see it. It doesn't matter anymore where I look, but they were like green squiggly worms that either would connect or disconnect. These uh, green squiggly worms are something that I still see to this day and, uh, and have been able to, I'll say, uh, discover that sometimes they're people's thoughts mm-hmm. by actually hearing them uh, and, and people's beliefs. And then the only way that I knew that this was accurate was to actually ask the person mm-hmm. to say, is this what you just thought? Did you just think about your mom? Did you just think about going to work tomorrow morning and the person being able to tell me yes or no? And by having that feedback and by figuring out how accurate it is that those those little green things, um, I don't know how to say it, were real. Okay, so what were they? Parts of the brain. Energy. I don't know how to describe everything because I think the brain in and of itself is just energy. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm just, I'm asking for the purpose because if (laughs) someone's listening, are they thinking the green squigglies are the path of the aneurysm or are they the thoughts? Right? Like, Mm -hmm. what is it that you're describing that you're seeing? Well, to me, if I go back to that, if, when I look at green, those, those little worm, like, um, neurons, whatever you want to call them, because I'm not scientific, um, has to do with thoughts feelings um and when it has to do with the aneurysm where you see the break in the connection okay and where it it ends up looking black it ends up going black and like deadened okay if i'm listening to you correctly and if anyone with a medical background is listening with this i would imagine that that's not the aneurysm you're seeing then that is where you're noticing where the thought pattern breaks like you're Mm -hmm. talking about Mm -hmm. um so where it's created disruption Mm -hmm. so the effects yes that's cool. And then what would happen and what did happen to me in some of the sessions, I remember very clearly in one session, all of the symptoms that happened in my body, like I couldn't, I couldn't speak after that. I was the one having difficulty. There were certain things that I was experiencing in my body. I couldn't, or I could speak, but I couldn't get the words out properly, or I could get half sentences or half thoughts had to do with the symptoms that that person had experienced. Mm-hmm. And, and here's something that came this morning was that these are affirmations for these people. Yeah. They're affirmations for the person that, that who experienced it themselves. Um, they're, exp- they're an affirmation for a family member or a friend or somebody else that this is what someone else experienced. Okay, so I'm just going to reiterate what you said. Because mm-hmm. um, I think you jumped into an example about when the stroke occurred, mm-hmm. not the aneurysm, that, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Um, so when you had experienced the stroke and you had um, mm. some issues with speech, mm-hmm. that woman was able to say to you, she was the caretaker, she was the wife of this person, yep. and she was able to say, Karen, you're fine. He did He did have his vocabulary still intact, yes. and he could speak, he just couldn't string words together uh, appropriately or properly so when you're talking about affirmations that's the type because there's no way we would have known how he lost his speech or what portion of it that he lost that's right so she's giving me an affirmation and I'm giving one to her right so the affirmation goes both ways because Mm -hmm. if she doesn't tell me the truth I would not know what I'm experiencing is accurate and if and, and by me experiencing it and describing it, it is giving her the affirmation that this information that I'm getting from his spirit, 
from the spirit world, however you want to call this, energy forms, Mm -hmm. um, is accurate. And to me, it's fascinating because we live it all day, every day. So it's, it's, it's anyway, let's go on because I think there's so many more that are really cool. Do you have one? I wrote kind of like a list of, you know, that, you know, my most current one. So do you want to speak about that one now? Yeah. And okay. I've, I feel like I need to start by almost apologizing because I know I'm going to get upset. Um, and just in terms of anger, um, but I, I'll do my best to explain that too. Um, I had a client session on Saturday, so the Saturday that just passed, and he had called to book the appointment on the Friday. And the Friday evening, everything was set up at this point. I was having my day. I went up to the movies with a good friend of mine, and when I was sitting in the theater, my whole leg, like my legs, started seizing. And I started getting spasms um, all in the abductor area or all down the IT bands. And it was a lot of pain. And I just kept noticing that I would lift the pelvis and I would kind of clench all of the muscles. And so I was really focusing on breathing and trying to let go. I didn't know what was happening at that time. Then I could start feeling my upper body shake. Um, and I couldn't really get control of, um, of, of the shaking. So I kind of crossed my arms and tried to hold my body in a tight position where it wouldn't move. Uh, just thinking that I had anxiety. I was trying to, I was trying to reason everything out too. I wasn't really thinking about the client the next day. Um, so I was thinking, you know, the movie's stressful. I must be feeling the anxiety from this. I tried to convince myself that the movie was just a movie and I could calm down. Uh, but nothing was really releasing all of the, the physical symptoms. Um, so I went to bed that night. I had a really hard time sleeping, woke up exhausted And some people might say, well, of course you did because you were so stressed, but the exhaustion ends up being part of part of this story. When I did his session first thing in the morning, he had let me know that his number one priority was medical intuitive. And so I said, "Okay, whatever you can confirm, great. Whatever you can't confirm, no problem. I'll ask for other information. And so I started describing what I had been feeling in the body, um, because as you said, we hear tell him what you were feeling last night. So I was explaining all the sensations in the upper and the lower body. I was explaining the exhaustion and I said, I'm hearing that you have nerve, nerve damage, that there's nerve issues and that your issue um, is related all about the nerves. And he said no. So first off, in an hour long session, I'm feeling completely discouraged and useless and no good at my job and a fraud and all those fearful things, right? And... Um, I ended up doing the whole session talking about his level of anxiety, his need for control. Um, so a lot of things about his physical, but then also his, his um, emotional personality. And at the very end, he says, I feel the need to tell you about my story. And I said, okay, no problem. That's the end of your session, though. Um, I won't be channeling anymore. And he said, no problem. I wanted to let you know that I have MS and that I'm a type A personality. And he went through all of these things that I had just spent the hour telling him and he had spent the hour I won't say fighting me but uh respectfully denying it and it was just like it was so disheartening because MS is nerve it's all about the nerves and I don't know if he just was nervous because that happens a lot too um or if someone isn't I'll say well educated about their disease they take the diagnosis and don't really necessarily do research about it to understand it um, when I said nerves, he had a total disconnect and couldn't understand how it was related to him, what related to him whatsoever. Um, but that's what MS is. 
and it causes high levels of anxiety. And when I said he was very controlling, he said, no way. Um, and then he, t- he proceeded to tell me he was type A. So I'm half laughing and half really annoyed because here I was trying to spend that time helping him through it, but he kept saying no. So I kept thinking I was doing a bad job. Um, but fast forward, coming down off of that, sitting with you to tell you that I've officially felt MS, um, that when I look back, it felt very traumatizing and I think I'm still processing it mm-hmm. cause I can still feel, um, the tightness in the body and, mm-hmm. uh, the, that evening. So Saturday night, my other good friend, who's a personal trainer, um, said, are you coming into the gym to stretch? Cause I've got my own injuries right now. And I said, sure, uh, I'd, I'd love to if you have time. So when I went in, he said to me, um, what's going on? And I, I told him what I had felt um, with this client. And he said, okay, we're going to stretch your stuff first. And we'll stretch your MS out later. And I, I couldn't even understand what he was saying to me at that time. And I said, what do you mean you're going to stretch out my MS? And he said, well, if you've just medically intuitive done your job and you have felt MS in the body, then we need to address that too, because it was a real experience for you. Mm-hmm. Um, which he's probably the third health professional who's affirmed that kind of stuff for me. Mm-hmm. Cause I know our physiotherapists have done that with pelvic issues mm-hmm. and I know our chiropractor has done an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Our massage therapists have too. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have a personal trainer say we need to stretch out this mm-hmm. as well. I laid down and cried while he stretched my IT bands and all of where I had felt, you know, the, mm-hmm. the MS in my legs and Uh, I had found out from the client that he had very, very limited mobility in his legs. Mm -hmm. Oh, and not that it's a very nice message, but I had woken up that morning and remember I told you I barely made it to the washroom. Mm -hmm. Oh, you had your bowel let go. Yeah. When you, and I think this is something, well, it is very important, but you and I both also experience when people have bowel issues. Yeah. That um, before sessions, after, but also during sessions, where if somebody has no control over their bowel, Mm -hmm. you and I will have the same experience of having no control, even though we are both completely healthy Mm -hmm. and have full control over our bowels. Yeah. Um, I I barely made it to the washroom that morning. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember just thinking, you know, well, you go through the human stuff where you Mm -hmm. think, what did I eat? What's different? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do I have the flu? Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. do I have to cancel my appointment? And then it was, I said to him, "You, you don't have bowel control and he said yes that's correct I have to stay near a washroom at all times and Mm -hmm. um, my heart just broke for him Mm -hmm. because I mean I I experienced all of his symptoms in 24 hours and was just sick of it Um, Mm -hmm. and it was just you know you're you're doing as much energy healing as you can to lessen the pain um, and and whatever you're permitted to do I'll say in terms of their soul's contract right I'm glad you brought that up because uh, this I think when when people hear that we're empaths, when they hear that we're mediums, when they hear we're, their medi- we're, we're medical intuitives, you know that the very first thing I say in every treatment, the very first thing I start off with asking for permission for is energy healing. Yeah. Be- and, 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 that, and I always say that that's the first one because it's the most important. But because our culture is not educated about it very well, most people don't understand the importance that the energy healing is is the whole reason we do this so you can be you can be we can, we are a whole bunch of things and it's wonderful to give the messages and to give it accurately but also that that's the beginning 
I think, that there's a beginning when the person has those affirmations or new information, but that the energy healing is one of the things that you're doing this whole time. Yeah, but I think there's a huge misunderstanding with what energy healing is. Mm -hmm. And this was something that was addressed in, in the setup of this particular session where he said, I want to heal my body. Mm-hmm. And that, that's exciting. When you hear someone call and they say, I want to do everything I can to help myself, it's like that's the client you want, mm-hmm. right? Because they're, they're more willing to work with you and be open. And he, I mean, he was open to hearing everything. But the concept of what energy healing is, is you can take away what I'm feeling and you can take away the disease, which is not always the case. Mm-hmm. It can be in certain situations, but if you are of the belief that the disease comes from a metaphysical um, manifestation of it, right? So that type A personality, that need mm-hmm. for control, mm-hmm. and you've also written it into the contract uh, that you're going to take on a certain illness in order to learn certain lessons for yourself or for others, healing ne- isn't necessarily a possibility. That's right. And I think some people, um, well, anyone can be disheartened by that for sure, because we don't want to believe that we chose this. Um, but that is the reality. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's a, there's a whole other conversation that comes with extending life with modern medicine and that we still all have to die in a certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that that's going to happen. We can't heal ourselves a hundred percent all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I just, I wanted to point out the misconception of healing because I think people get excited by it and then are massively disappointed by it oh, and yeah. might not understand that you can heal emotionally, mm-hmm. you can heal mentally and still have the disease. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Reminds me of the person that, remember I said in another podcast where a couple came and wanted their child, uh, completely yeah. healed 100% of autism. In 30 minutes. Yeah. They wanted a full recovery by going into past lives and, and removing this from her life. Yeah. And uh, I had to be able to, I had, well, it was easy to say no, mm-hmm. that, that that wasn't something that I was capable of doing. Um, and I think it's important for people to hear no. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Because, because it's, it, it's honesty. Yeah. And I think it calls them to, um, to identify their disrespect for the disease itself or the, the ailment, whatever it is that we're, we're, um, we're dealing with mm-hmm. because there's something to learn from each one of those situations mm-hmm. and y- you have to respect it in order to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, were you going elsewhere? Cause I, I wanted to, you can go anywhere. I, th- I think something that I really think is important to point out is not, uh, not to get caught up in the anger of what I had felt in that moment Mm -hmm. um, to understand where it comes from. Yeah. Because that's something that we fight with every day, right? Mm -hmm. When, when, when you're doing this job for so long, you start to think that some things are obvious and why don't people just get it? Um, And I think we all feel that in our jobs, right? If you're an accountant, you don't understand how people don't get numbers or the thing you become that becomes second nature for you. You don't understand why it's a struggle for other people. Um, and one of the things that I have found frustrating, but very interesting in the same breath is people's disconnect with their body. Mm -hmm. And I, when you call it fascinating, what we do, um, I I wholeheartedly agree. I find it fascinating that people don't take notice of their own body 
don't stop to see uh, or observe subtle differences or subtle changes on a day-to-day basis. Because when we do present them with information like this, talking about when things got worse or when things get better, uh, they can't often affirm their own information because mm-hmm. there isn't even a pause to really observe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've noticed that when couples come in sometimes in that one person, and I, I'm not picking on men or women, Yeah, it's interchangeable, where one person actually has to say, yes, yes, she gets headaches. And it's like, uh, can't she tell me she gets a headache? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, and she's looking at me blankly, like she doesn't even know she gets a headache. And her husband has to say yes for her. And it's not because she has Alzheimer's, Alzheimer yeah. or dementia. They can be two, I'll say, fairly healthy human beings. But that there's such a disconnect from her own feelings about it mm-hmm. that, uh, or a denial of it. And I do understand there are many reasons for the disconnect. That yes. is not one, you know, just somebody wanting to have control over another person. That some people are very disconnected by tragedy, by yes. PTSD, by the way they grew up where their parents never acknowledged them mm-hmm. um, or t- or maybe a teacher. Or allowed you to express it. Yes. And that's, or, sorry. I was just going to say, or a doctor. There, mm-hmm. there, are, there are, as you and I well know, there are a lot of our clients that come to see us because of the medical community and because they've gone to doctors and because the doctor could not find the proof for their... Yeah. Or the situation, system. the system, or the system, yeah. yeah. Uh, for whatever reason, what, what, that they couldn't, that they just in they didn't validate the person, mm-hmm. or they didn't pursue it further, and so a lot of people end up coming to see us because one system mm-hmm. isn't able to connect or to present something to them that's that's real in the uh, for them for their experience. And that's one of the most incredible things I remember ever doing was being able to have uh, at the very beginning when I was first starting to do all of this, when I was practicing and just saying, playing it with it and saying to people, do you have a, do you have a pain in that shoulder? Yes, I do. And then I go and, and do you have one down there in the hip? And do you have another one on the, on the right knee? And did you have a surgery, uh, you know, on your, on your foot when you were five years old? And it's like, and they look at me and just burst into tears. And it was like, oh, did I get all of that wrong? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, you got it all right. And how come my doctor has never believed me or even listened to me? Mm -hmm. And the amount of sadness and release they have when, when you and I are actually able to share it with them. Okay, so I want to take exactly what you said and kind of illustrate the opposite point. Sure. Because this is what I wanted to get at when I started by saying I'm sorry because I'm going to get angry or upset you talk about someone who has the awareness who can say yes to you Mm -hmm. who can affirm it and has that emotional release because someone validates it flip side of that is when we see that someone has no idea what they're going through themselves they can't recognize those subtle differences and so we spend our half hour or full hour giving them as many affirmations as we possibly can listen to and they deny everything and then or some of it whatever uh-huh. and at the end they tell us their story because uh-huh. we we don't ask for it up front obviously uh-huh. um and in them telling their story they don't even know they're affirming all of the things we've just said. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, common. Denies control, but tells me he's type A. And I'm sitting there going, 
what? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's the same thing. He has no clue. And so at the end of that, and that's just one example, but at the end of that session, I hang up the phone and there's that initial feeling of, oh, that was so difficult. And then it switches to this wanting to cry and this this feeling of heartache mm-hmm. that this person who really is in so much pain physically, mentally, emotionally, can't even identify with themselves. Mm-hmm. And so we end up releasing on their behalf. Mm-hmm. We end up crying and feeling heartache for oh, them. God, yes. Right? So it's not that we're mad at the human. It's not that we're we're angry at people. Mm-hmm. It's the sadness that we feel in the disconnect. Absolutely. Every day. So crying for other people is something that I had to get comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's it, it happens a lot. And crying with them or crying for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding, and I even started teaching it when I was teaching Reiki. Yeah. Teaching um, people that... Uh, crying, f- uh, how you cry for others. That is something I think uh, that I can safely say I learned from you. Mm-hmm. But it was also something that I was really surprised by, uh, is the amount of people who just understood that we cried for them. Yeah. And because uh, I remember mm-hmm. you apologizing to quite a few people in the beginning saying, I'm really sorry, I'm really sorry. Oh yeah, I was losing my shit and they were sitting all totally calm in front of me and as you apologized they were like it's okay I haven't been able to cry for this many years so you're probably just doing it for me it's Mm -hmm. like they had the answer right away and it was like wow was that ever wonderful and they thanked me yeah they didn't make fun of me Mm -hmm. they didn't criticize me they didn't think I was crazy or should be up in a psych hospital Mm -hmm. they absolutely understood it and when I look back to growing up in a funeral home I think of how often people cry for other people. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that you can I think you can relate to when you go to a funeral. Some people laugh and giggle at funerals. Mm-hmm. They release in a different way. Um but anyway, it was just uh okay, can we can we keep going with some other ones too? Yeah. But I don't know why you asked me permission. Oh. I know, I just mean I'm not asking you for permission to do it. Like I'm asking to you, move on? yeah, okay, just okay. in the sense that I'm not. I don't want to cut you off if mm-hmm. there's still more that you're processing or that you're remembering. That's mm-hmm. all. And really, and honestly, Kelly, like I watch the top of your head sometimes, so that right. I, can, <laughs> I know, like just above your head, because I can see the thoughts and things okay, that come well, in. Then, then I don't want to move on, because this is something that um, occurred to me while I was going through this experience after the fact, is. Um, remembering, okay, maybe I need to back up. You have all these feelings, you think all these thoughts and you start to wonder if you're crazy, right? And then I have flashbacks of you talking about you feeling MS. Mm -hmm. And I remember you talking about how heavy it felt. Well, when Um, I felt MS, it wasn't, it, the first time I felt that was with, because I have a brother and a sister with it. Yeah, and at this point, if I remember correctly, it was it was your sister that you had mm-hmm. felt. And I remember you describing it in your own way uh, and having your own experience about it. So I, at that point, I'm trying to draw my parallels of, oh, yeah, mom did this too, so I'm safe. Mm-hmm. So, And maybe I want to point it out because your story obviously has so many times has made me feel safe, mm-hmm. right, to keep experiencing these new things. Um, and then I got sad all over again. Because 
you went through it alone. Mm-hmm. You went through it first and alone. And I remember empathizing with you at the time and thinking, wow, that must be tough. But you, maybe it was sympathy because I could, I could imagine that that would suck, but I couldn't really imagine you feeling their pain because mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't really know what it was. Mm-hmm. Right. We all, everyone experiences things slightly differently. I had to ask Faye. I had to ask her because I could feel the numbness in my fingers. I could feel mm-hmm. it going up my arms. I didn't understand because I wouldn't feel it all the time, but I would feel it when I was with her. So I, and thank God, Faye was so intuitive mm-hmm. and she was just such a loving down to earth person. Um, that, and we had such a good, we had such a connection. She's 10 years older than me. She just, we just mm-hmm. had a good connection, her and I, and that she, she was honest with me. Mm-hmm. She would be able to say to me, that's how I feel. That that's, that's the numbness I'm getting in my legs. That's mm-hmm. the, that's my brain. That's how, uh, like she had so much anger and mm-hmm. so, and depression and imbalance, balance issues. So if I was getting lightheaded and dizzy, I could say to Faye, do you get lightheaded and dizzy with MS? And she could say, oh my God, yes. Mm-hmm. Do you get fatigued? Because I just, all of a sudden, I'm so tired. It's like the flu fatigue. Yeah. I just wanted to go to bed now. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I could get home to go to bed. Mm-hmm. I wanted to lay down like instantly. There was no space, no time to organize anything so that my body could crash it's just an instant crash, which I ended up finding out when I had clients with fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. how sim- um, uh, similar fibromyalgia was to MS. And then I remembered having clients with lupus. And then it was like, oh, my God, how do I feel all these diseases and know the difference between lupus, MS and fibro? Mm-hmm. Well, the way the spirit world gave it to me was if face spirit showed up, I knew it was MS. Right. <laughs> if my client with lupus showed up in the treatment room, I could go, Oh, that was the lady with MS. So the person I'm with has lupus. Mm -hmm. And then I could go, Oh, geez, have you been diagnosed with lupus? And they would say, how do you know? Well, I couldn't say, well, because my client named Georgina showed up, Mm -hmm. I could just say, um, because the spirit world is telling me. Yeah. So there had to be a framework. I'll say, I call it my switchboard. So I'm watching you develop your switchboard. Mm -hmm. But I'm also seeing that while you're doing it, Kelly, on a very personal note as your mother, I don't like it. No, of course not. And when I know on Saturday that you felt MS for the first time and that your aunt and uncle have it Mm -hmm. severely, both of them, what that does emotionally as well, because we are, we have all of these gifts, but we're also Karen and Kelly. Mm-hmm. And this is these are this is your aunt, your uncle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go back to gratitude for a second then. Sure. Because yeah. I've I've already pointed out that you you went through this alone for the first time, um, and that you you give me a feeling of safety. Uh, but the other thing is, is that you give me permission to rest. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, I don't think it's not encouraged in our society to rest. We're told about all the importance and, and the, the benefits of it, um, but we're not actually encouraged to do it. And I remember that that morning, I think you and I had very opposite schedules because you were so busy that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you had written me a note. You left it on the bathroom um, countertop 
and I can't, it was about Parker and his feeding stuff. And I flipped the note over when I was done because I knew I was going to miss you that day. And I wrote my side of it and just wrote, Mom, what I was feeling last night was MS. I'm not okay. Can you please send, love, send me love today? I need to debrief later on. And so, I don't know. It's just, I, I love the way that you and I connect, even when we can't connect mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, physically. And I remember um, putting Parker in the kitchen that day and not being able to do much. Mm-hmm. afterwards just coming down off of the emotion and, and still feeling it physically as well and you came down you found me on the chaise lounge sleeping and watching tv on and off um and there was just no judgment there was there was just this permission like I say to rest mm-hmm. and I remember you telling me that I was doing a good job mm-hmm. and that felt really really wonderful uh not just to be honored um, in my gifts and being able to feel all of it, but being honored in the process of then healing from it. And this to me is so important because some people book a 30 minute session or a 60 minute session. They pay $60 for 30 minutes and 115, including tax that we both have, we pay Mm -hmm. to the government here and where we live. And a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, I won't say that. I have had clients Mm -hmm. who, if I end the session one minute early, say, I still have a minute. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at the end of their 60 minutes, as they're paying their bill, still try and ask me more questions as I'm writing a receipt Mm -hmm. that have, I'll say, no knowledge of, because I don't want to assume they have no respect for. I will say... Although I do explain to them that we dream walk and that we help them while they're sleeping. Mm -hmm. I don't know that people truly understand how many hours we put in for each person in spite of the fact that they pay for half an hour Mm -hmm. or they pay for one hour Mm -hmm. that we work on them for sometimes for days and weeks. Well, and how often have we said to clients at the end, look, your session's over, but I'm going to continue to do energy healing on such and such a part of your body. Yes. And um, yeah, don't worry about that. I'm just going to keep working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I jokingly remember. Okay, But you brushed off the part where I said, thank you. So oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I just, yeah. I am, I'm saying thank you because yeah. I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel rushed. I didn't, you didn't make me feel like, how come there aren't more clients that day? It was just, oh yeah. You're doing your thing. Make sure you heal. Do you need food? And Kelly, I remember when I first started doing this, I wasn't doing eight or ten people every day. Yeah. I was doing... uh, What? Nothing. Oh, I said that wrong. (laughs) Um, I I was only doing maybe two. Yeah. Two or three. And it would take me um, sometimes hours Mm -hmm. before and after to process everything I was feeling Mm -hmm. or try to figure out what was mine, what was theirs, or, and sometimes I couldn't, I did, I I just had no idea. I had to sort through all of this. Mm -hmm. took a long time to sort through it. Well, I shouldn't say a long time. Actually, if you think about the amount of gifts we have, it was pretty, pretty Pretty quick. Um, I know you're probably going to bring this up, so I'm just going to jump right to it. Uh, I, I think one of the biggest reasons that we do this podcast in particular about being an empath is for all of the parents who book sessions for their children. Oh, because we have so many parents who will say, uh, my daughter's depressed and she's only eight or my son Mm -hmm. is skipping school. He wants to stay home and and is fakes being sick, um, because he doesn't want to be in his classroom. And 
I think people are starting to learn the term empath, mm-hmm. um, but they might not understand what their children are actually going through or mm-hmm. what they're going through themselves. Um, and when I say thank you for encouraging rest, it's because your kids still need it. They mm-hmm. still walk into the classroom and feel all the other students' anxiety or the teacher's anxiety or the teacher's depression or anger with the system. Mm-hmm. Um and and how important it is to know how to nurture your empathic children or your empathic self. I think that really is uh, is wonderful that you brought that up, Kelly, about kids. And I think about how many people, too, are also adults going into different work environments. You mm-hmm. could be a nurse going into a hospital as an empath or, or, the, or one of the staff, a, a secretary mm-hmm. at, um, at Emerge and, and be feeling every single thing people feel as they come through. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember actually that brings up a funny, not a funny story, but I remember going to emerge with you once. Remember we were sitting in, was oh, it God. you? And I think, was it the flu or something? Maybe. Or we were there. I can't remember if we were there for Andrew. Oh no, I was there for a cough. I think I know which one you're going to. Okay. Gonna and, and my foot went into tremendous amounts of pain. Yeah. And I said, oh my God, somebody broke their foot. Yeah. And then we waited and about five minutes later, a young man came in. I think it was a young man came in with a broken foot. Yeah. And, um, that how difficult it is for us, um, to go to medical places, I'll say anywhere, anywhere in particular. Yes. One of the hardest places I find going is Memorial Gardens. Like that's why I can't do hockey games because when, when two people are punching each other and the crowd's going crazy, punch, 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 Mm -hmm. kick them, fight them, go, go, go. I'm feeling everything that boy feels as he's being punched. Mm -hmm. I think people forget that it hurts to be punched. I think people forget it because they want the entertainment. They want some kind of a high, well, and it's which like, I totally don't get. It's like, but I think it's also the release that they want for themselves. And if they, if it's not socially acceptable for them to punch someone, but it's allowed on the rink because they'll just get a two minute penalty and that'll be that. Right. Then that punch that they're encouraging them to throw is really the one they want to throw at their kids or throw oh, at their, right, their the spouse. Oh, and I don't yeah. mean the physical one that they would beat anyone, but that mm-hmm. emotion of wanting to, because I think oh. we've all had that feeling, right? I want to put a fork in their eye. They're bugging me so much. Yeah. Um, I happy dance when I get like that. I do not get people. I got to tell you, I don't get this human shit. I really don't. I this you just hit one of my buttons. Here's one of Karen's tirades. I know because your posture just totally changed. I, but I, and I'm saying it because I still that's somebody's kid out there. I still don't. I still don't get it because that that person, mm-hmm. you know, yes, they've got their equipment on, but where do they go? They go to punch in the face because there's no equipment unless and they pull the helmet off. I know. It's it's I'll say barbaric. It's wanting to, yeah. It's wanting to inflict pain, and I'm saying empaths feel that pain Mm. you don't get to turn it off so when you're dragging your empathic kid to a hockey game they are feeling that Mm -hmm. and you're supposed to be tough you're supposed to sit with everybody and cheer on the punch i just cannot understand that Mm -hmm. i'll never get it this is something i think is really neat and maybe it's a tangent but i've been to the hockey games with andrew Mm -hmm. i I do enjoy the sport itself and the skill not not this part of it um but uh you well, you know Andrew. He's very he gets heated very quickly, and uh, he's an all or nothing kind of person. And so we were we're sitting in the stands, and um, this particular thing that you're talking about happened. There were punches being thrown, and he literally stood up and was like, "Okay, I'll see you later." <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean? Like it's the second period? Where are you going? You're going to get like to the washroom, get a beer? Like what's what's going on?" And he was like, "No, I'm walking home." 
And I was like, oh, like this, like not yeah. an entertaining game for you because the score was low and I just figured maybe it wasn't yeah. a, a good game kind of thing. I don't know a whole lot about sports. And uh, he was like, no, I can't stand the crowd. I'm leaving. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with the sport because you know yeah. how much he's into sports. Oh, yeah, he loves hockey. And it was just like he couldn't stand the energy of the crowd and yeah. the stupidity of um, of what how they don't think things through. Okay, right. That's what I'm uh, no, saying. No, I know, and yeah. I'm I'm not. I'm saying that so many I'm more so people. I'm so proud of my son. Yes, <laughs> so many more people get it than you think, right? Yeah. But there's so many people who are asleep. Imagine and, if everybody at a hockey game who really was empathic all stood up and walked out in the well, when, that's they, what I'm when there was a, a fight. That's what I was going to say. Is that I think people forget that they're allowed to leave. Oh yeah, that they're allowed to go. I don't support this part, mm-hmm. right? And. I don't know how that affects the venues financially, but whatever. Um, choices, choices that you make in mm-hmm. uh, listening to that empathic part of yourself or droning it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, would you okay. like to get back to your list? Yeah, let's get back to the list because I went on a, t- a rampage. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about feeling cancer in people's bodies. Okay. And, and uh, because so many people have cancer and I think they feel so isolated in their pain. And I know that they can feel loved by the people that love them. I think they can feel cared for by by family members and professionals that are amazing at what they do. Um, but there's something very intimate about feeling somebody's pain when it's on a very deep level. And one of them, and you mentioned MS, which is a very deep level of physical pain as well and mm-hmm. emotional. And when I and I have never had cancer. Um, in my body. However, as an empath, when I have a client that is here, and I always say this FaceTime or Skype or long distance Mm -hmm. telephone, people have to remember that sometimes we're talking on the phone to somebody in, you know, Yugoslavia, we've never met them. Um, We have a telephone connection. And we are able to say they have cancer and what organ that it could be in or bone or blood or, you know, whatever it is that's going on. And some people say, well, that's not possible. Well, I don't care. I do it all day, every day. It's a thing. It's it's just there. And what I wanted to say is, is that sometimes I smell it. It's not always, sometimes I feel it in the body. I actually feel my liver cramping. I actually, and some people might think, oh my God, I've never felt my liver. Some people have, and they've, they've been made fun of it. Oh, that's or, true. Or for it, right? Okay, yes. And uh, so I, I can actually feel the organ hurt. Sometimes it's a cramping, sometimes it's burning. Mm-hmm. There are different sensations, and, de- and it depends too on, how would I say this? It depends too on some of the therapies that, so if they're going through chemo or radiation, Sometimes I don't even know which one that they're doing because of the feeling that the cancer feels or that the organ feels. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I smell it. So some, the, there's a smell for me. Uh, even though the person's in on a different continent, I still get a smell. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes, as you know, you this is what you had all the time. Most uh, that was so strong for you was you would hear the message. Mm-hmm. He has liver cancer. He has cancer in his lungs. Um, and the thing too that I wanted to point out today is that we get it for people that are alive, that are still going through the process, and we also get it as mediums for the people that have crossed over. Mm-hmm. So even though the person is dead, they no longer have a body, they're back in energy form, we can still feel in our body everywhere that they hurt when they were alive. Mm-hmm. That to me 
is something I just don't ever know how to explain or how to, what to do with other than the fact that I do feel it, use all of those senses and share it with that person as an affirmation. So what do you mean you can't describe it? I can't prove it. Like other than the fact that I can't, like I don't really know how scientifically or left brained actually how to explain it in detail. Oh, like how you see it? Yeah. Okay, I get it. Like how I see it in the body. That's funny. Or how I feel it. Like to say that I feel cancer in someone's lungs and they're dead. Well, if they're dead, they don't have lungs. So how can you feel it? But I still do. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's no... Who cares? Explanation. No, I'm just saying there is no explanation other than that it, it is. Right. So That's who cares? All. Nobody. Because I just, I think about when you say that to the daughter that comes in to hear from their father who's passed away and you say, he, I can feel the cancer in his lungs. And they're like, yes, yes, he had cancer in his lungs. Who cares if you can prove it? Mm-hmm. That like who who cares how you got it mm-hmm. if they can affirm it and say yes that's him it's accuracy yeah that's it mm-hmm. that that is the be all end all mm-hmm. and and like I, I just the fact that we use all of the senses the mm-hmm. smelling the hearing seeing feeling inner knowing every single one of them taste all of those senses to me is just incredible as you go along they they get sharper and sharper and that. Some, I don't know. Do you find one day you're, you're a better smeller? (laughs) Yeah. Or one day, absolutely. one day you taste it more. I don't know. Like, and somebody might say, so what's cancer taste like? You know what? I could, I could actually tell you. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. I get that. And I think, I think if you can uh, draw parallels to other professions, they can understand how that can be true. Mm. Right. So I write a lot. And some days I'm a better writer on paper. Some mm. days I'm a better writer on a, on, I say typewriter, <laughs> on a computer. And some days I'm better dictating. Yeah, I'm better okay. if I, if I say yeah. it out loud and let it just be dictated. Um, so I think you can work different strengths, different days. Is it your right knee that hurts? It's my left knee. Is it on the outside? Sorry, sorry, I'm getting pain. It's awful. It's an, it's the inside and the out. And the outside? But the outside it go, And is it goes going. right up into here? Yeah. Oh, and the IT band. Okay, sorry. I can feel it. <laughs> sorry. It's just... Okay, sorry. Okay. Anyway, okay. Um, okay. Well, no, now I want more information. <laughs> Book an appointment. I have. <laughs> That's true. I'm your client this afternoon. Oh, okay, okay. Um... Okay, the other thing I wanted to, uh, that they wrote down here on the notes is about finding missing people and how being able to be empathic is very important when there's a missing person as well. Mm-hmm. And that it's, it, and we did a whole other show on this so people can listen to the other, the other shows on stuff like this. But being an empath is so amazing that when you're working with people to find a missing person that you can tell them if they're alive or not and if they're in pain or not and where they are mm-hmm. and I remember the man missing up in Iroquois Falls when the his wife called and asked me um, uh, if I was able to help find her husband and I said uh, you know did he have problems with Excuse decaying me. in his teeth and teeth issues and um, did he have I think I said to her something about his lungs and his heart I can't remember specifically now and she said yes mm-hmm. and it was important then to be empathic because I was feeling the heart and the lung issue. Uh, the teeth issue I could see, the other two I was feeling. And so I was able to use more yeah. than one sense to give that 
information to her to affirm that I was actually connecting with her with her husband's spirit Mm -hmm. and with his physical body. And so then when she said, that's correct, Karen, is he alive? I was able to say, yes, right now he is. But when whatever, when they're when they find him in a couple of days, he won't be. Mm -hmm. So um, it's important for us too to have that accuracy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember one time saying to a lady in a treatment um, that, uh, do you have a toothache? And I can't remember, it's like top, you know, right side. And she goes, no, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. No, I don't. And I was like, oh, no, you're you're going to have a toothache in your top right. And she's like, no, I don't. You're wrong. And I thought, okay, that's fine. And then like two or three days later, she called me and she was like, I have a toothache. I had to have a, like a root canal yesterday. My top right. Why'd you do that to me? Yes, with my magic wand, <laughs> I gave you a toothache. <laughs> like, I, was, I thought, what the heck? I don't go around. Remember the psychic part we talked about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think yeah. I gave you your toothache? Like, it just blew my mind. It was yeah. like, no, 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 sweetie. Like, yeah. what happens is, is we get your stuff if for future too. Yeah. You know, like I can say, you're going to have cancer in three years. And some people would say, okay, then if I'm going to, what can I do about it between now and then? But you think about what mainstream media has done. Oh, yeah. Right? With showing wrong intentions and people giving diseases to people, right? Oh, that's or true. Or dolls or however far back you want to go. Right. I think yeah. people, there's still a huge misconception of of how it works. Yeah, it's amazing anybody trusts us. <laughs> like when you think about what TV does in movies though, it's true. Like it, it and I I'm grateful to our clients that they do because again, it's like they've got to stand up one more time and trust. And trust somebody yeah. when so like many, dating. It's like dating. <laughs> are we going to go there? No. <laughs> As two single women, are we going to go there? No. no. Okay. <laughs> Get batteries. <laughs> Whoa. What's next on your list? Um, okay. Uh, I wrote heart attack, um, but I can't remember that one. I feel heart attack so often. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, um, and, and you know what? I guess one of the things I, w- I want to bring up too is the fact that I, you and I have been blessed. Oh my God. And then all the days before you joined me doing this, so incredibly blessed blessed that so many of my friends and clients were surgeons, psychiatrists, physiotherapists, nurses, a shit ton of nurses, mm-hmm. um, both male and female ambulance attendants, police detectives, every kind of field I can think of that were able, his, historical people, or what do you call it? Um, historians. Historians that were able to give solid information, like solid Karen, if this is what you're feeling and this, this, and affirm. that. Yeah, they can affirm Yeah, that I was able to call up a surgeon and say, in God, you know, if I've got these symptoms, is this what the guides are telling me it's this? Is that what it is? Microangiopathy, all kinds of things I'd never even heard of in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't, we're not medical, I'm not medically trained. I know you have more of an education not, through yeah, psychology. I can't, I can't claim medical training. No? Okay. I don't even have first aid. So if somebody's listening to this and thinks they're med- she's a medical intuitive and doesn't have first aid, you got it. And um, I say that with a little bit of pride, just in the sense that, and not meaning that, I, that I'm proud, proud that I don't have first aid, but that there's nothing within my brain 
and with it being educated uh, as a human being that gave me an indication that if, if A and B is, if this is A and this is B, this should be C. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. So to me, it's that I have to trust the spirit world and my senses 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you? Good. Good. I just, the last thing that you said just reminded me of the, the show I've now become addicted to six years late. Um, to scandal when Olivia Pope is talking about her gut. She assesses the situation quite thoroughly, but then she always says what her gut does and her gut's never wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm only in season one. I don't know if that changes, but, um, Mm -hmm. but how you're saying there is no training to go with to assess the situation first. It's just, it's constantly what people refer to as gut or what we say guides. Mm -hmm. Right. And I I think some people have shitty guts. They have uh, terrible instincts. Um, and, and that's been proven to me over and over again when somebody says they're following their gut and it's horrible and they don't, they're not really, they're full of, they're full of ego or they're full of anxiety Mm -hmm. and their anxiety dictates their gut. Their gut says, don't trust anybody, don't do anything or I don't know, whatever, but that they don't truly know what it means to trust their gut. They Mm -hmm. say it, but they have no clue. Mm And, and that's not the person you want to trust. The affirmations are very important over and over again, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, that's never ending. Until you build your skill. Yes. And we've talked about this a lot, your gut being another muscle, essentially. Yes. That you need to work and um, pr- constantly practice mm-hmm. at building building up that muscle. Well, I remember lots of times in treatments, well, all through life, not just in treatments, um, always asking the guides for more information, for more and for more. So if somebody said to me, no, I don't have a sore tooth, that I would look at the spirit world and go, why'd you guys tell me that? Mm. <laughs> Just that I had to learn how to ask better and better questions. Mm. So if I have, if this is what you guys are telling me, why? If my client is saying, no, it's wrong, why'd you guys tell me this? Did I misunderstand it? Did I not listen right? Did I listen right and say it? Um, do they, are they interpreting it wrong? And that's one of the times, Kelly, when I started realizing how important it was for people to tape record the sessions mm-hmm. because there, they would have, some people come back and say, when I saw you, I thought you were crazy. Well, most people aren't good listeners. Yes. And then I had to, I listened to that tape or my husband listened to that tape and my kids did. And afterwards at the end of it, um, you know, I realized what you'd said and it was like, well, what do you mean you realized what I said? Well, I thought you meant this, but but this is actually what happened, and that was more accurate. So it's not just my journey to be mm-hmm. able to get these affirmations correct, yeah. but I understood that it was the client's, uh, ultimately theirs. But in the process, I was a piece of that because I had my own piece of learning to do in that. It may have nothing to do with the client <laughs> at the end of the day, um, how they got their lesson and how I got mine were nowhere even near each other's stories. Mm-hmm. But I just think of how much I've grown in this one lifetime, um, getting to um, learn so much from the experience of actually listening mm-hmm. and actually developing these gifts. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw it out there. Mm-hmm. I'd really like to do a, a podcast on knock at one point. Oh, if we can sure. write that down and make note of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because as you're talking about um, 
what you've experienced in this lifetime, it's kind of bringing me back to when he became one of your guides. Oh, And I would yeah. love to, to discuss that more. Okay. Or, and I shouldn't say discuss. I would love to share him more with people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think I think about how many guides have come to help me. Yeah. And, and that might be a, a podcast as well mm-hmm. of all of the different guides with all their different specialties uh, in the spirit world. Some that were human that crossed over and some that were never been a human being yeah. that ca- have come through to be able to give medical information or cool. all about all about when you cross over, what happens, what do you do when you're on the other side? Um, how do you read somebody's future? Um, how do you know if it's right? Like there's so there's so many guides that do so many so many things, and then there's like one that's like I call it the octopus because it's like the switchboard operator with all the tentacles. And uh, well, you know, I'm just visual, and um, how they organize it, meaning that the octopus has an, a higher intelligence of organizing mm-hmm. uh, and all-knowing. Mm-hmm. So maybe if somebody calls that their octopus or somebody else says God or somebody else says energy or a switchboard, yeah. I'll, I'll say the words are interchangeable. And then somebody might say, she referred to God as an octopus? Yeah, we did. <laughs> yeah, we did. Take it up with our customer support service center. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh. Who resides on the other side? <laughs> uh, so is it safe to say that today today we're done on the topic of empath? Yeah. Okay, cool. People, Let me finish this time, please. Is that okay? Go ahead. Give it a shot. We have email info at bysarlo.com. And we invite anybody to reach out to us, um, whether you have a question or um, you'd like us to do a podcast on something you've heard today on our, or on other podcasts, or if you've been to our website, um, by sarlo.com, we're on YouTube now, and iTunes as well. So if you are catching us on any of those social media, or Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I'm throwing it all out there, Cal. I know, you're just cute the way you do it. Yeah, but, but we're I'm, still teaching her the terms. Yes, so this is my first stab at the cat today. Oh, well, okay, that was just an expression. Um, just meaning that I'm kind of throwing everything out there that I'm learning about social media at 54 years old. Good for you. <laughs> and inviting people to communicate with us because the podcasts, even though we tape them Saturdays and, and launch them for people, that they still can connect with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Thank you for listening.